This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is July. And it's crazy that it's just already here because um, it just seems like the year's flying by. It is Chocolate Day, so really Chocolate Day is every day, but it's also Self-Care Month. I don't think that Chocolate Day falling during Self-Care Month is a coincidence to you. But anyway, so everybody make sure to take good care of yourself. It's hard. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's a lot of times we just do want to know what's going on in the world because it can be a lot. Um, so please know when to step back, give yourself some time to breathe. And sometimes part of that breathing time is picking up a really good book. And so I have an author today, Marie Soleil, who is here to tell us and talk to us about her newest book. She had, and Marie had two goals since she was seven years old, to be a mother and to be an author. She has been a storyteller her whole life and can't wait to share these stories with the world. When she's not writing, she could be found watching The Office, playing the piano, sewing a dress, or reading a book while consuming copious amounts of chocolate, which, you know, it's chocolate day, so why not? She lives in Southern California with her husband of 13 years, three children, and seven chickens. You can find Marie at her website, or you can sign up for her newsletter. She's on Instagram and, Am- Instagram and Amazon, and her first book, Speak Your Truth, um, came out in March. It's part of the Canyon Cove Love Story series, and the second book just came out like two days ago, Feel the Rhythm, a sweet romantic comedy. Um, third book's coming out sometime next year, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. So welcome to the show, Marie. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Oh, can you hear so, me? Okay. I'm, super glad. I'm super glad that you're here. Um, tell me a little bit about what, why at seven were you interested to be an author? Oh, my goodness. I loved reading. Um, I devoured books. And it was like a punishment to not be able to read. Sometimes I'd neglect my chores and neglect my homework just because I wanted to read all the time. <laughs> And so I started writing my own stories just for fun. I had a little notebook that I would carry around with me and I'd write these cute little stories. Um, I remember one of them was about a girl who wanted to dye her hair different colors because she wasn't happy with the hair color she had. And at the end, she decides to go back to her natural hair color, you know, so just stuff like that, that I thought was, you know, cute little fun things. And my mom, when she would read them, She told me, she goes, you should be a writer when you grow up. And I said, no, mom, I want to be a mother. And she said, you can do both. And so once she told me that, I was like, my whole world opened up to me. And she was like, you can do both of them. You can do everything. So, um, so yeah, so ever since then, it was a goal of mine. I had a little hiatus in wanting to write for a while when I was um, like a teenager. I felt like I wasn't good enough. Sure. And then I didn't, in, yeah, I didn't enjoy the books that I had to read in school a lot of times, which now I look back and I wish I could reread them with a different perspective. But when you're forced to read them, it's like you don't enjoy them as much. Um, and so I didn't want to right. do anything that had to do with English or reading or writing. I wanted to just enjoy it for fun. And then a few years ago, you know, I got back into reading like crazy. I've just been devouring my own books. And then I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to do it. And I just decided to go for it. And here I am. And here you are talking to us. 
And so when <laughs> you were, what was that cat? I mean, everybody has a catalyst that they say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and write this book. And then, but there's, there's little catalysts along the way, like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Maybe someday I will. But what was your, like, I'm going to sit my butt in the chair and do this writing moment? Um, so I had been attempting NaNoWriMo for the last couple of years. Um, I think uh-huh. starting in like 2015, I think I had an idea for like a dystopian novel that I wanted to try. And I still have that sure. idea one day when I feel like I'm ready for it, I'm going to attempt it. But so I started writing a little bit for NaNoWriMo. I never got past a couple thousand words. I just, I didn't have a plan set in place. And so I wasn't able to actually finish the book. And I started following the authors that I enjoyed reading on Instagram. And when I started watching, you know, seeing their posts about their process and understanding the process of outlining, one of them recommended Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Um, So I was like, maybe that's my method that I need to use. So I got that book cover to cover, figured it all out. And then I started outlining and I had this idea that I wanted to try And I said, let me just try this one more time, see if I can make it now that I have a plan from beginning to end of what I'm going to do. And it worked out that time. So it turns out I'm a planner. I definitely cannot. I'm a plotter. I can't pants it. (laughs) Right. So for anybody who's wondering what a panther and a plotter is, a plotter is somebody who can sit down, right, needs some um, structure, like an outline. So think of it as, you know, you're building the foundation, you're putting up the framework for the story. Panthers just kind of throw it all down, and somehow it comes together um, at some point. Um, I think, but I think a lot of writers are kind of a combination, maybe lean one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I, I found that um, it's it's fun to see all the different ways people get their books to come together, and that's what's so great about the genre, the, the, the group of writers, just the community itself is finding what works and what doesn't. And Save the Cat, right, the novel comes up a lot. Have you um, talked to other people that have said, oh, my gosh, that book was amazing? Or, you know, what are any other books you they, that they recommended? Yeah, I mean, Save the Cat is not as recommended for romance a lot of times. Um, and that is something that I've run into, that the romance ends up taking the back seat when you use Save the Cat more, sure. in my experience at least. Um so I did get Romancing the Beat also because that was very highly recommended for uh, romance authors. But I, uh, for me, Save the Cat just, like, makes sense completely with the story arc. And it feels – it writes like a movie then when you use those, sure. those beats. Um, so a lot of people, I think, especially in, like, the YA dystopian, like, they usually use Save the Cat more, not so much the rom-com genre but it was in the rom-com genre that yeah. was recommended to me in the first place. Um, and so I'm trying to do a little bit of a mix now of doing Save the Cat and Romancing the Beat so that I can make sure that the romance is showing up also. And it's not something that I have to add in later after my first draft is completely done. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that those beats are just kind of universal. We know that something should happen by this point and these sort of things, whether it's a thriller versus a, you know, romance or, um, um, you know, middle grade. There's, there has to be some sort of understanding of where the beats go. And it's funny because we've all, we all know this inherently that we've seen movies and go, there's just wasn't something, something just didn't fit. Right. Uh Exactly. Yeah. We we see it. Right. 
and then we see a movie that's supposed to be terrible, but it actually met all the beats. Like the story, the story idea is awful, um, or or silly, but then it meets all the beats. So it's like, well, wait a minute, okay. That, that's, so it's it's um it's interesting. Storytelling is its own animal, really. Um, so but it's yeah. fun to be part of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's I think I think it works well yeah. for me too. Um, I I'm a math professor actually as my day job, so. Um, save the cat nice. is percent. Yeah. So everything is percentage yes. based, like at 10%, this should happen. And so for me, I'm like, okay, my book's going to be about 50 to 60,000 words. So when I hit the 5,000 to 6,000 mark, that's when this thing needs to happen. So it works really well with my brain compared to other types of, you know, um, outlining processes. Wow. So you're using your one side of your brain for the day job and the other side of the brain for the, for the writing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I was at a conference years ago, and it was Romance Writers Conference, and it was also a Microsoft conference was going on as well, and it was all in Atlanta. Uh-huh. And it was funny because somebody got in the elevator, and it was full of romance authors and, and tech people. And, of course, you know, everyone's got lanyards on. And somebody turned around and said, wow, left and right brain, like actually like here, like, right. Yeah, it was just <laughs> very funny. <laughs> like, that's really down. funny. Yeah, I think there's not, very, there's not very many of us that use both, both sides in our everyday life. Um, a lot of people, most, most authors I run into say they, they hate math, but I have found a few of us that are teachers. So I don't know, maybe if it's the teaching side yes. that we end up enjoying writing as well. Well, and, you know, I could see at some point you would have, that would probably come into your storytelling, like you would have characters that were more math-focused or science-focused or what have you. I mean, that would seem like an easy, um, an easy well, maybe not easy, but, you know, I mean, you would know more than someone who's yeah, just trying to learn, I, say, I, Algebra 2. <laughs> right. Strangely enough, I actually have not included any women in STEM yet in my books. They're all I I've, uh-huh. um, I grew up with a lot of varied interests. So I have, you know, in my books so far, I've got a girl who's pursuing calligraphy, and then the last book is about a dance teacher, which I also teach ballet. So it's I am using different parts of my experiences and my hobbies, but I haven't yet gone into the math or the teaching side of like school teaching. So that'll be something I'm going to definitely right. explore soon. So you get to split up that personality and you get to put a little bit of yourself in each of those books. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so tell me when you had started, you said you did nano and you were going to do dystopian, but now you're doing more of a rom-com situation. And so when did uh, Speak Your Truth, that's the first book of a sweet, Canyon chance, sweet second chance romance, um, or Canyon Cove love stories. Um, when did you say that's the book I want to write? Well, the rom-com interest has been now going on for the last probably three or four years. I got really deep into <laughs> the, you know, sweet, clean rom-com genre. Um, when I was, um, I had a new baby and I was just sitting in my rocking chair nursing the baby I would read books as much as I could. So I got really into the rom-com books. And um, I just started, like, kind of putting the pieces together to make up my own story. And the, the catalyst for Speak Your Truth, the whole idea of it is that she has to 
say exactly what's on her mind for 30 days. And um, Mm -hmm. the reason why I thought of that, I was texting a friend of mine, and she was having some issues, and I really just wanted to say, sounds like it was your fault, and you need to deal with this. But as a good friend, I couldn't say that to her. And so I'm trying to help her work through her problem and, you know, figure out what to do next. And then I thought about, you know, like, someone texts you and says, hey, can we hang out right now? And you just don't really want to hang out with them, but you have to come up with some, like, nice excuse of, what you need to say so that they don't feel bad about it. So I, you know, going through these experiences, I started thinking to myself, like, what if you wrote a book or somebody had to just do and say exactly what's on their mind all the time. So the pieces slowly came together for this idea. And then because I've been reading so much rom-com, it was easy to fit that into the genre and get the whole story all put together. Of course. And of course that kind of lends its own conflict. Because not everybody wants to yeah. hear the honest truth, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and so I figured the best yeah. way to really showcase it, too, is someone who is not good at telling everyone how she feels and has been living, you know, according to everyone else's expectations. So to throw someone like that into this new situation where she has to tell everyone what she thinks all the time made it a lot more fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of situations you can get in for that one. And then the second book yes. is uh, um, Feel the Rhythm, and this is what your dance teacher, yes. the one that you just mentioned. Um, and so tell me about this one. So this one picks up after the first book. You don't have to read the first one in order to read the second one, but it does add a lot of the context to it. Um, and so she mo- she's the best friend from book one. She moves back home okay. to help her family after they were involved in a difficult car accident. So she comes to help out with her younger sister and her family. And she teaches dance at a studio where kind of the dance moms rule the studio a little bit. And so she's getting yeah. underpaid and overworked, but she's trying her best to help everyone. Basically, that's like her complex, that she wants to do everything she can to help other people and um, she's also at the same time having a secret romantic relationship with her best friend's brother. And so eventually uh. it all comes out. And yes, of course. And so it all comes out. And then she basically is working herself too hard. And so she is, you know, has to learn to um, accept help from other people and realize that we can't take these burdens on all completely for ourselves. Boy, that sounds familiar. I mean, that's something I think. <laughs> Um, I think we all need to go through one time or another to say, okay, really, what do I need to focus on and, and what is it that I absolutely have to do versus what I think everybody wants me to do? Um, that's, exactly. that's a hard decision sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you're listening, this is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and we are talking to Marie Soleil about her book. And you just mentioned something that I thought was interesting. You said sweet, clean rom-com. So explain to me what that means. So, yeah, there's a variation, I guess, in the genre itself. Um, for me, I do not include any cursing or language in my books, and mine are limited at kissing. <laughs> so I don't um, okay. have any bedroom scenes or, yeah, implied intimacy even. Really, it's just kissing and then that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. There are some different variations. Sometimes people call it, uh, clean romance meeting, it might be implied, like relationships, yeah, uh, physical relationships might be implied, but they're not on the page. Um, 
And right. then, yeah. So it, it really depends on um, our closed door or whatever. So, but yeah, yes. there's, there's nothing graphic and like a middle schooler could read it if, if she wanted yes. or he wanted to. I actually to. have, I have middle schoolers who are reading my books. They're my friend's kids. And I was not yes. expecting it. And my friend told me, she's like, my daughter grabbed your book and read it before I did. I was like, was that okay? Because, <laughs> I mean, there's still, you know, yeah. a brief description of a kissing scene. And, you know, there is a lot of romantic um, expressions between them. So I had to ask her mom, I'm like, is that all right? And she read it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important, too, because... It's, it's one of those things where it seems like people think that romance is, you know, everything's on the page, but it's not because a lot of, of relationships that work is there's a lot of communication going on. And so when you have books that middle schoolers can read that are not necessarily, um, that are, as you're saying, sweet, clean romances, I think it helps them see what a healthy relationship can be and what you shouldn't put up with. I mean, you know, you've got these that's, situations here. That's a really good so point. I think it's a good thing. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's, it's always the romanticism of it all. Um, and then it's like, but it's work. I mean, relationships are work. They just are. Right. So nothing's easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, 100%. Oh, that's really – yeah, I really, I'm, I'm actually, that makes me feel even better that you say it because now I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I mean, when I was a teenager, sure, I was reading, you know, young teen even, I was reading romantic stories also, and it does, you know, being able to see that it's not just happily ever after when people get together necessarily, that there are struggles that you have to go through, that's a realistic view of it, and that's something that's important for kids to make that transition between childhood with Disney princess, you know, and they ride off into the sunset, everything's great. And then getting into adulthood and understanding yeah. the complexities in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I remember talking to my mom and my mom's parents never fought in front of them, like ever. Um, and my dad's parents fought all the time. So when my parents <laughs> got married and they had this first big fight, my mom was like, what's going on? I mean, it's just like totally unprepared. So, I mean, it was definitely oh. a learning curve for them. Now they've been, you know, they've been married over 50 years now, so I guess it worked out. But, I mean, it's one of those things <laughs> where it's, it's, I think, to see how conflict is resolved, even if it's something small, so something doesn't build, is important. So when you, But you also have a character in your first book that says, okay, I'm just going to be honest about it. And I think that, you know, you never know. You might make some middle school girl or high school girl or, a twenty-something-year-old woman say, "You know, I I could be honest about what I want and don't want. I mean, it's important. So, thank you. Yeah, for that's that. that's been yeah. I mean, that's been one of the most interesting things. I guess a lot of people have been saying that my books are rom-com, but they do have a lot of character growth. They do lean a little bit to the women's fiction side of of the storytelling, also." Um, and I've yeah. had a lot of people when they review or even they'll message me and say, wow, it really made me think about my life for both of my books now, but especially for speak your truth that people have said, I, it really made me stop and think about, am I being truthful or honest with myself even in the things that I say and the things that I do, am I living in a way that I'm not going to have regrets in the future and feel like I was holding myself back for someone else. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I came to that conclusion a few years ago when I, I was feeling very stressed about not volunteering enough for PTA stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm up mm -hmm. there all the time. I'm, you know, and so 
there was this situation where they were having a call out and they specifically emailed me and asked me for help. And I just thought, I can't do more. So I remember sitting there thinking, okay, how am I going to explain this to them that I can't do it? And I thought, this is stupid. I just say, no, thank you. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, done. Yeah, I, I've been seeing <laughs> lately, uh, there's, a, there's a saying going around that no is a complete sentence. And uh, I think yes. that's something a lot of that us need correct. to learn, that we don't have to explain ourselves, and no is enough sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No. <laughs> and that's all you have to say. And the person opposite yeah. you should say, okay, and just that'd be done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's something yeah. that we absolutely have to learn. Yeah. yeah. But one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, too, with your book, is it looks like you have written these in first a lot of first person. Um, and so it's from – the character's points of view, Did what made you yes. think first person? I prefer reading first person myself. I just think that you feel <laughs> like you are that person. And I enjoy that experience myself. Um, it just feels so much more personal. And I like giving that view into their head. So um, that's, that's my preference to read. And it's also my preference to write. I mean, I grew up reading the babysitters club books and they always were in first person switching off between the different babysitters for each book. And so I feel like a lot of my inspiration, maybe it's silly to say that now that I'm 34 years old, but you know, a lot of my reading and writing inspiration came from reading that (laughs) as a kid. So um, yeah, that, you know, that, affected my tendon or my, my preferences were affected by the things I read as a kid. And that's what I enjoy reading. And that's what I enjoy writing too. Excellent. So what are you reading right now? Um, I just finished last week, the starburst effect by Kelly Oram. It was so good. Um, it's a YA. I, I have a hard time reading within my genre when I'm in the throes of writing and editing and publishing, I just compare myself too much. So um, I, yeah, I just finished the Starburst effect. That was so wonderful. I loved it. And then I'm rereading Crest in the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. That's my favorite series of all time. Uh Um, And I just, I I needed a comfort reread. So I'm rereading that one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, those are amazing. My daughter read those, and um, she was just glued to those books. Oh, so, um, and they're now incredible. my she is youngest amazing. is reading them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very interesting. It's fun to see them with their faces in the books. Because I, you know, you were talking about reading all the time. I was telling my kids at the beginning of the summer. I said I always loved the summer because we would go to the library and it would you know have the reading uh-huh. list. Um, but we'd go weekly and have. A, you know, a bag and just load it full and then just go home and sit in this pile of books, you know. Um, and then there was this great tree in our backyard that I would climb up the tree and read the books. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a wow. big magnolia tree, so it had really thick branches. Um, and it would smell good and everything. But it was, it was just, it, you know, you just got to escape for a little while. And it was, it was yeah. wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah, I started it's, taking it's, my it's kids a whole to, world. Um, Yeah, I've started taking my kids to the library now. Um I have 3 kids. They're 7, 5 and 2. So the 2-year-old doesn't quite appreciate uh-huh. the library and gets a little wild, but sure. um the 7 and the 5-year-old, they bring their backpacks and they just load them up with books and we have uh-huh. such a good time and then they come home and it's just like one book after another and 
so I'm hoping to be raising readers myself. My daughter loves reading and, you know, always has a book that she's in the middle of. So hopefully I can get them to have the same love of books that I have too. Yes, that bit of escapism, you know, it's kind of nice. Um, and for anybody listening out there, if you have a bunch of books at home that your kids have outgrown um, and they're pretty good shape, just donate them to the library because it's the feeling of, and, and this is how I rationalize it to myself, is, well, I don't know if I want to give that book away, but if I donate it to the library, I can go check it out again if I really, really want it again. Um, and somebody else can enjoy it in the meantime. So uh, donate those books to the library because, and, you know, of course, make sure they're in good shape and everything. They need them. I mean, why not? Just, and let someone else try it. So it's a good thing. So there's the PSA for the, uh, library there you know, <laughs> little out. so you've got now this is is this going to be a trilogy like there's only going to be three books because you've got another book coming out next year in the series will that be the last and then you start something new or will there be more books in the series I have no plan as of today I know for sure I have the idea for the third book ready to go and it's uh, everybody who's read the second book knows exactly who the characters are going to be in book three um so I don't have a specific plan yet, and I have the pre-order date set out for a year from now, but I'm hoping to get it out by the end of this year. I just wanted to give myself that buffer okay. this time. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have a plan. I have no plan beyond this next book right now that I'm writing, but that's kind of how it was last time, too. When I wrote the second book, I didn't know exactly what the third book was going to be about, and then as I wrote it, the characters kind of develop themselves in the background of the second book, and then now they're ready for their own story in book three. That's nice. I mean, yeah. I, did you have people writing to you saying, okay, well, who, where's the story for this person? Have you, have you had that? <laughs> I've, had, I've had people say, I really want this character and this character to have their happy ending, and I wasn't even thinking about them. I just, <laughs> so now I'm trying to think how I yeah. can put, you know, work them in and I have to figure out another, you know, or at least put them in the background. Oh, I do actually, I forgot about this. I do have a short story that's coming up that's going to be part of an anthology um, next June and that's in a falling for okay. the boss um, collection. And so I am going to be doing a short story, a novella for that one. That's going to be based on some of the characters also from this series, just so it'll all tie in together. Okay. Um, so that I do have planned. I forgot about that. I do have one more plan, <laughs> but no full novel nice. after this book three. Nice. So who designed your covers? Ah, well, the first one I did myself, um, but I actually just today released the updated version of it. So um, Melody Jeffries is my cover designer. She did book two completely. And then um, okay. I had her redraw the characters for book one and kind of fix the fonts and everything a little bit. So I, yeah, I, I was trying to save my budget a little bit when I was doing the first one. I do have some experience with calligraphy and a little bit of graphic design. So I'm not, you know, I wasn't a complete newbie trying to figure it all out, but um, that's how the first one came about. And then she worked with it and revamped it. And she's definitely going to be doing book three also. She's incredibly talented. Her covers are amazing. Wonderful. So do you, um, you've written, let's say you finished these three. Do you, do you want to write something else, something different? Is there something that you've said, I always want to write that genre? 
Oh, I have I have a YA dystopian that I would love to write, but I just I need I need a a good plot, I guess. I need to have it figured out first. That's that's my my plotter side of me coming out. Um I I stopped reading all through my teenage years and because I was just reading so many classics in school that it kind of took away the joy of reading for fun. And when I was right. in my early 20s was when the Hunger Games movies came out. So I was like, oh, let me take this with me on vacation. I'll take the first Hunger Games book. And that just sucked me in. And so from then on, when I was in my early 20s, so about 10-ish years ago, I could not stop reading YA dystopian. It was like my favorite genre by far. Um, so I have yeah. a love for it that it brought back my love of reading and I would love to write one in that genre. I don't know when that's going to happen because I am enjoying the sweet rom-com so much that I think I'll be sticking with it sure. for at least a little bit, a little while, even after this, this trilogy is done, I'll, you know, keep writing a few more of these, but one day I'm going to get to that, to that dystopian book. <laughs> yeah. So you've got your series here. Do you story Bibles? Like, do you have stuff written down so you can go back and make sure, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so was this tall and had this tall hair. And, you know, you don't, like, they don't have blue eyes in book one and green eyes in book three. Um, yeah, I have. How do you keep all I that use, um, Yeah, I use Scrivener. So I do have on the side, it has, like, the character notes. So I try to use that as much as I can to keep track of things like that. And then I also have a list in a notebook of just all the names of any characters that have shown up at all. So I don't accidentally repeat names. Um, yeah. But yeah. Usually just on my computer is the main, the main way. <laughs> yeah. I, a friend of mine tried, she has plotter and she liked it. So I was like, okay, I'll try plotter. And I, I need to watch the um, how-to video, basically, because I'm like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing, and I don't. So, I mean, it's like I've got now I've got a file <laughs> that I don't know what I'm supposed to do with. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely a learning curve, but um, a very good friend of mine uh, used a Scrivener, and she said it took her about two hours to go through the whole instructions, figure everything out. But she said, but once you've got it figured out, it's like the best thing ever. Yeah, I don't think I know everything about it. I um, they had it. I think they had a free trial this year for NaNoWriMo, and so that's why I decided to uh -huh. use it. And it would automatically update the word count on the NaNoWriMo page, so it was really easy. It just all worked together, and I was like, "Let me get this cool software," so I feel inspired, and it worked. It was great. And then I you yeah. got a half off discount if you're a NaNoWriMo winner. So I think it was only. Right. $25 if I'm right I could or maybe it was 50 I don't know I, I can't don't quote me on this but it was half off for winning <laughs> NaNoWriMo to purchase the full version of it and it was very affordable and definitely worth it for me to um, purchase the full thing and I love it it's been great cool so with your um, math background um, did you do you ever have your students do any sort of writing or do you feel like um, you know, I, obviously there's word problems and so forth and such, but I mean, do you see that the, you being able to communicate effectively through your writing, do you feel like that helps you as a teacher, like be able to communicate more effectively with your students? Um, I do think that, yes, I think I'm a good communicator verbally in general with my students. Yes. There are some who believe that it's important for students to write about math 
I don't personally agree with that. Um, And I don't make my students do that. I don't think it's very helpful necessarily. I think like the process is just something step-by-step that you need to get used to. And it's almost like a habit that you need to get yourself into. And sometimes talking around it makes it more complicated and they have a harder time understanding it. So I'm, I'm really good though at talking to my students, making it relatable to them, giving them examples that they understand and helping them understand where they're having a problem. Um, so right. I, yeah, I do think that the writing side of me helps me become a better math teacher also. Yeah, yeah, I, it's well-rounded. You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, that, that, that example didn't work. Let me see if I can come up with another one. And then, you know, that creative brain of yours kicks in. It's like, oh, let's try this. So, um, yeah, I would expect that it would be challenging every day to come up with some sort of way that you see the majority or hopefully all of your students go, oh, right, okay, you know, and there you are. So that would be, that would be, that would be good. I'd, you'd probably like that. You would hope so. I'm sure yeah. they would too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I was in a play years ago, and there was a gentleman there who was um, a substitute teacher, and he was talking about he'd had this assignment like for a week, like the teacher was out for something, and he was he was doing math, but like um, high school math. I think it was like junior seniors, and we said yes, but you're an English English major, so how did that go? And he said, yeah, well, he'd have one of the students come up and write it on the board, and solve the problem and he would say is he right <laughs> the students would go wait no that's not right why don't you come fix it tell us why it's wrong <laughs> good for you, you. Know, they all actually, did their work so. that's, that's actually a really good teaching strategy like to have the students be the ones to grade and correct and analyze whether or not something is done well um you know it helps the yeah. teacher knows if it's correct also but that actually is not a terrible strategy for having your class learn how to do math problems. I've, I've done that before where you have students come up to the board and do it. And then you ask everybody, is this right? Did they do it right? And then they help work through it together. Yeah. It, and it's fun. I mean, it's, it, uh, I know when my kids get excited about something, it's like, Oh, that's how it, it, it's cool. So I can't imagine a whole room full of kids doing that. I mean, I would be exhausted. Um, but it's, it's, I'm always grateful for teachers because um, I think I, I just don't think I have the patience. That's why I worked emergency room. It was like I treated you and then you left. And that was, everybody was happy with that arrangement. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm always grateful for teachers. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh yeah. I mean, I taught high school for one year and I couldn't handle that. So now I do college where it's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they actually want to be there probably um, more so yeah, than high school. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my, uh, our kids all had, three of our four children had this amazing, amazing kindergarten teacher. I mean, she had it. She had, She's still teaching, thankfully, for a lot of kids who get to have her. She, I mean, she's amazing. She's got everything. Like, there's a song for everything. She, she walks in the room, and she doesn't say anything, but the kids know she's there. Everybody, I mean, she's just got control. I mean, it's just amazing that she's you know, able to do all this. And I, I've talked to her several times, and I said, do you go home and drink? You know, because it's a lot of five- and six-year-olds in the class. She's like, no, I don't. And you could tell 
she really loves doing the job. And I said, what if you had to teach high school? Or she's like, oh, yeah, I'd drink if I had to teach high school. So it was, <laughs> you know, everyone's got to find their, you know, their, their place where they're strong. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it's always fun to hear everyone's story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so will you be including any chickens in any future books? There are chickens, actually, already um, in my book, especially Wait. in my second one. Um, the, the main character, her family is kind of based on my family 20 years from now, basically. So um, her uh-huh. parents are supposed to be like me and my husband. And in the book, she lives in a suburban area, but has her front garden is entirely vegetables. And that's what we have at our house. Our front garden is completely veggie boxes. And then um, she has chickens in her backyard that her little sister loves. So the little sister character is based on my seven-year-old daughter. And those are like her babies are the chickens. So actually on the back of the paperback (laughs) copy of Feel the Rhythm, my daughter requested a picture drawn of her holding the chicken. And that is what's on the back of the paperback for my latest book is supposed to be the little sister character who's based on my daughter and she's holding a chicken on the back. That is adorable. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That super cute. I mean, a little, a little bit of reality, you know, throw it in there, see what happens. So that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, so with your, uh, with your gardening, you have them in boxes. We have a lot of trouble here in Texas with deer. Do you, what do you have out there that tends to raise your vegetable gardens? How do you keep them out? We do, we do not have deer. That's for sure. Um, we have rats. We have squirrels, we have raccoons, okay. um, possums. Sure. So just like all the like little critters, they they run around and Double and then yeah. one one raccoon did eat a chicken a year ago, so we have to yeah. keep them very carefully yeah. locked up now. <laughs> right. Oh uh, yeah, they 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 tend to do that. But no, yeah, we live like right on the edge of San Antonio, so we and there's a big green belt that runs through our neighborhood. So there's there's always deer coming around. Wow. Um, And so everybody's like, yeah. So it's interesting what they won't eat from year to year. Like one year for years, they wouldn't eat certain things and now they are. So I have no idea what changed. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I just plant something different, I guess. So, um, yeah, (laughs) we still want the deer. They're fun. It's, you know, yeah, that's really cool to be able to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was one time, it was during COVID, and it was weird. I thought, I think I'm hallucinating. But um, I didn't have COVID. But I looked, I saw this very weird movement outside my office window. And I look up, and it is a mom with a family, a mom duck with, like, 12 ducklings. And I'm like, I'm thinking, oh. where did she come from? And so I got up, and I took video of it, and I posted it to the neighborhood website because I'm like does anyone know whose duck this is um and people just started posting oh they just came by my house and just, it was crazy uh and we've never wow. seen it so huh. it was it was weird that's crazy it was, it, it was adorable yeah though. <laughs> but you know, they went I believe the it and then one little duck was trying to get up on the curb and we're like come on you can do it you know it got up it was good it was all right so <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I think COVID kind of changed a lot of the, 
Yeah, that, that's true. COVID changed a lot of, I feel like, the animal patterns and things for a little while, at least while we weren't moving around as much, you know. So it was interesting to see all of that happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. They were talking about they were seeing more uh, whales in more inland areas, um, uh-huh. you know, still like a mixish of water, but they were seeing that. Um, and then what was really interesting was um, down in New Zealand, you know, they do these big shark week um, and they had this thing where they were um, seeing about these different sharks. Well, with all of the big boats that weren't going through um, the sharks were acting a little bit differently. And what happened was, is a lot of killer whales came in because you know, everyone's looking for oh. food. Um, and um, so they basically put a, 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 a speaker in the water to mimic a boat. And because, <laughs> you know, they throw stuff off the back of the boat for, you know, cutting up fish or whatever. And so the sharks show up and they're looking of course, for these, these boats that aren't there. <clears throat> and then they were trying to see what would happen if they played these different noises. And they were huge. I mean, just ginormous, ginormous great white sharks. And then they started playing the killer whale and all the sharks disappeared. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So that is so if crazy. They're scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It's like, yeah, you know, they're all sitting around, and then all of a sudden that noise comes on. They're like, mm, no, I'm done. Bye. I mean, they were gone <laughs> within a minute. <laughs> wow. You're really big. You're like a bunch of teeth, and you're worried about this? Wow. <laughs> Scary. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I really so much, I so much appreciate you coming and talking to us, and I cannot wait until your third book is out to hear all about it. But it is up for pre-order now which is exciting. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice talking to you and I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. So this is Patricia W. Fisher. I've been talking with Marie Soleil. She has two books out right now, Speak Your Truth, as well as Feel the Rhythm. Both are from the Candy Cove Love Stories series. She also has Let Love In that will come out next year. Pre-order is up now. You can find Marie at her website where you can sign up for her newsletter. You've also got Instagram and Amazon. All the links are in the write-up of the show. So everybody grab a book, take good care of yourself during self-care month, grab a piece of chocolate, and keep on reading, everybody. Stay safe. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.